Episode 2 4 Ginjazi, as Kildow explained at length, was some kind of songwriting guru. He led a series of workshops around the country, around the world, and promised to bring the inner light of the divine in every person, outward in the form of rhymes and choruses, bridges and verses and melodies. Is he good? I said. Did you like the workshops? The workshops are fine, said Kildow. The problem is that Ginjazi is a thief. He takes the songs people write in his workshops and sells them as his own. And he stole one of yours? He stole three. The first one is currently on the charts in South Korea, sung by a band called Park Chung Hebe Jeebe. I should be writing this down, I said. What's the song called? Get thee to a nunnery, said Kildow. I beg your pardon? That's what it's called. The second one is I'm Toby. And where's that one being played? I said. It's number three in Kenya, sung by a woman, Nabuto. This Ginjazi certainly spreads them around. He's very clever and insidious. What's the third song? When I fall down, I'm going to get back up again, ho hey. Not to quibble, I said, but how about get back up again, or back up again, or just ho hey. Killed outside. Everybody's got an opinion. I don't really care, I said. Just an observation. Anyway, he said, the swimming pool guys are playing it. It's charting in the Balkan countries. Like Romania, Croatia, Iran. I don't think Iran is Balkan, I said. I'm pretty sure it is, said Kildow. Okay, I said. Anyway, said Kildow. That's the story. That's what Ginjazi does. So, what do you want me to do, I said. Expose him. Defrock him. Get my songs back. How should I do that, I said. Aren't you a detective, said Kildow. Yes, I said. Maybe you should go to one of his workshops, said Kildow, and he'll steal one of your songs. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go to Ginjazi's workshops. I didn't want to spend my time writing songs. I wanted to tail people and eavesdrop and look for clues. But the job of a detective is to do whatever you have to do, job by job, case by case. That's not a terrible idea, I admitted, because it wasn't. Five. Sometimes people are surprised to learn that I wrote 10,000 crappy songs before I became a detective. They don't understand what it takes to write 10,000 crappy songs. The most important thing in writing 10,000 crappy songs, or any songs for that matter, is stealth. If people are aware that you are writing a song, they will freeze up. It's like the Heisenberg Principle, or whatever it is, where an object being observed will change its behavior as soon as it's aware that it's being observed. So the transition from songwriter to detective was a natural one. Not that there wasn't a learning curve, 
I spent a week in Poland at a seminar on facial tics. It turns out there are 147 different kinds of facial tics. We studied them all. There are lots of things like that. There are rules for tailing people. I had to practice using various lengths of yellow tether line and keep it taut, a nice steady line between me and the person I was tailing. That's how you learn to tail. Not to mention learning to tie the string to their leg or arm without their knowledge before you start tailing them. And of course, you have to have a sharp eye for detail. That's like songwriting too. You could put me in a darkened room, turn on the light for three seconds, and I could tell you 66 things about that room. There aren't many things where a skill like that is very useful, but two of those things happen to be songwriting and detecting. You could say a painter has to be observant too, but it's not the same. Not even close. As a songwriter, you're mostly doing your observing on long walks, when you're humming or whistling, trying not to be noticed. A painter puts up an easel and makes everyone come to him. Tells you to sit there and not move for a few hours. Ha! There are hundreds of little things a detective must do in order to follow someone or stand there and observe someone without calling attention to himself. Here's a good one. If you are eavesdropping or tailing someone and they turn and look your way, just do some neck exercises. Just stretch your neck up, down, and around. Tip an ear toward a shoulder. Then rotate the other ear to the other shoulder. I have never known this to fail. If you're doing neck exercises, no one will ever question you. As far as anyone is concerned, you are in your own world. And here's a bonus. It's good for your neck. Six. Ginjazi was holding a songwriting workshop in Topanga. It was scheduled for Sunday afternoon at four. I packed the old Gibson in a case and placed it in the trunk. I bought a new yellow legal pad and a felt tip pen. I bought a couple energy bars. The workshop was to run three hours and would cost $75. I had forgotten to mention expenses to Stephen J. Kildow, but I surely would when I saw him. I'll be darned if I was going to go out of pocket for Ginjazi's songwriting workshop. The workshop met in a meeting room by a coffee shop in a strip mall, all the way up to Panga Canyon. You drive up the canyon and it's like you've left the city completely behind. It's like you're in the woods. Then suddenly there's a strip mall at the top. The meeting room contained a bunch of tables pushed together to form a rectangle. There were a dozen or so chairs scattered around. It was still a few minutes before four. I went back into the coffee shop. People were starting to gather. There were men, women, and a girl of about 16. One lady appeared to be blind. Everyone was getting coffee. They were talking about the songs they had written. They all seemed happy and excited to be there. A man whooshed in with a guitar case. He had a medium beard and dressed in white drawstring pants and a white cheesecloth shirt. He had sandals on. The others immediately were drawn to him. This must be Ginjazi, I thought. After everyone got their coffee, we went into the meeting room. Ginjazi took a seat at the head of the table. People gathered around and took a seat. Tuitions, please, said Ginjazi. 
Everyone brought Gingazi a check. I had cash, so I paid in cash. He didn't ask my name. I thought it strange. But then we all sat back down and went around the table. Instead of saying our names, we had to sing our names with a little jingle, like, I'm Florence from Topanga, with a little melody. And everyone had to repeat it after them. You learned everyone's name fast. Then we wrote down little haikus. First line, seven syllables. Second line, five. Third line, seven. About our first pet. Then we passed our paper to the left. Then one by one we went around and had to sing the haiku. Then another haiku, except this time the syllables were two, 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 seven. About what we ate for breakfast. Then Ginjazi revealed that these were the syllables for the Mexican hat dance. We went around and sang those. Mine was, I had two eggs and toast and coffee to wash it down. It was amusing, I suppose, if you wanted to work your songwriting muscles, which I didn't. I would have far preferred being on a choppy waterway, trying to stay abreast of a speedboat containing a jewel thief. But you take what is presented. I could go undercover in a songwriting workshop with no problem. It was hard to see in these exercises what Ginjazi would want to steal. We wrote little ditties for what the kids might say while trick-or-treating at Halloween. We attempted to write a bridge for the happy birthday song. I thought mine was pretty good. Another trip round the sun successfully completed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No one made much fuss about it, though. Ginjazi just nodded and went on to the next one. After a bunch of these little exercises, Ginjazi said, Okay, I want you to close your eyes. Picture your father. Really see him. Take an attitude toward him. Now, turn your father into the moon. Got it? I peeked to see if everyone had their eyes closed. As far as I could tell... They did. Even Ginjazi. Okay, said Ginjazi. Now write your song about the moon, but it's really your father. A whole song? asked Barbara. Ba-ba-barbara. Maybe, said Ginjazi. Maybe you'll write a whole song. Maybe just a line. See what happens. Let's take a break and meet back in 20 minutes. We adjourned. People got dreamy looks in their eyes. Some got guitars out. Some just went outside and found a perch. I got some coffee and sat in a chair. Part of me just wanted to go through the motions and observe. But the only way I was going to get to the bottom of this was if I wrote something good enough for Ginjazi to steal. So I did the exercise. I thought of my father and then I took those feelings and applied them to the moon. After a little while, I had this. Even when you pass behind a cloud, even when you dip below the trees, still you are there, I know you are there, you're always there watching over me. I had a nice little melody for it, reminiscent of some old Broadway tune I had heard once. Close, but not exact. We got back to the room and gathered around the table. Despite myself, I was getting a little excited. 
It had been a while since I had written a song that I hadn't immediately wanted to throw away. Maybe the long break would prove fruitful. I was third. I can't remember what the first two sang. I was singing my song in my head, trying to make sure I didn't forget the melody. Ginjazi pointed to me. You go, he said. The acoustics in the workshop room weren't great. It wasn't like singing in a church or anything, but I thought my song sounded pretty good. Ginjazi nodded. Nice, he said, and then went on. Huh, well, no accounting for taste. We went around the table. Some songs were better than others, but everyone had taken the assignment to heart and given it their best. The second to the last was Doris. Doris from Encino. She closed her eyes and sang a haunting little melody. Sliver of silver, sliver of silver, just a little sliver of silver. So far away now, so far away, but that's the only place I call home. She had another verse, did Doris, and then she even broke into a little chorus. That's the only place, that's the only place, that's the only place I call home. It was very sweet, and some of those around the table got a little misty. I did, even though I was there as a detective. No one ever said detectives can't be human. Sherlock Holmes played the violin. Anyway, Doris clearly knocked it out of the park. Even Ginjazi seemed moved. Would you sing it again? He asked. As Doris readied herself, Ginjazi rotated his cell phone slightly. He pushed a button with his thumb, then smiled at Doris. All right, he said. Go ahead. Sing. crappy song brought to you by stuff because why what is it it's it's stuff this episode written and voiced by dan Byrne. produced by dan Byrne and will massasak songs by dan Byrne. the show's theme music and score written by will massasak and dan Byrne. sound designed by mario shaning and will massasak if you like the show there's no mystery as to what to do just visit us at danburn.com look for the donate button and donate thanks Tune in next time for another edition of 10,000 Crappy Songs. Sliver of silver, sliver of silver, just a little sliver of silver. So far away now, so far away, but that's the only place I call home. That's the only place. That's the only place, that's the only place I call home.